Hi, you're listening to audio from Rock Hill Church. To check out more resources, please visit rockhilllawrence.com. Thank you for joining us. You'll hear three things. Maybe you'll hear something different, and that's good. Sometimes that's how God's Spirit works with His Word. He can very much personalize it. But my hope is you'll hear three things. Number one, Jesus wants to be your bread of life. He wants to be our bread of life. We'll talk about that a little bit. Secondly, Jesus wants to be your teacher. He wants to be our teacher. Jesus is going to address that right in the middle of this. Third, everybody gets to choose. Whether Jesus is going to be bread of life and teacher for them, what he's offering. And and even the choosing itself, we won't really have time to dive into this, but our choosing itself is wrapped up uh, like a burrito. It's wrapped up, and the bread part is the activity of God. So there's this beautiful partnership and cooperative effort collaboration between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and the choice of man, all in this. This makes up this like amazing burrito, to stay with that metaphor. So, the way that I'm going to walk through this, some of the verses Holly read, we all actually read last week. Uh, we didn't necessarily get very deeply into them. Uh, the way we're going to come about it is we try to orient our thoughts around these three thoughts. Jesus is our bread. Jesus is our teacher. We get to choose. I'm going to have to do some synthesis unless you want to be here till midnight. And I'm suspecting you don't. So I'll jump around a little bit. I'll try to indicate, for those of you who might be following along in your Bible, what verse number I'm on uh, to help you. But just, it's a little different. I'm going to have to jump and leapfrog a little bit uh, for the point of efficiency of time. So I'm hoping in heaven, when time won't matter, we can take a a text like John 6 um, and just spend as long as we want with it. That would be pretty fun. So I'm going to start with verse 35. Jesus is bread of life. He says it, I am the bread of life. The one coming to me will never hunger. And the one believing in me will never be thirsty. Think about that for a minute. And then in verse 40, he says, For this is the will of my Father, that everyone looking to the Son and believing in Him has life eternal. Is the word he used there. Now this word, let's pause for a second. This word eternal, we often receive it and kind of translate it in quantitative terms. Most of us, when we hear eternal, we think of forever. We think of often even like after death. And it certainly has that tone. But the essence of this word eternal is not quantity. It's quality. I have come that you might have a quality of life. 
That's the primary meaning. We've sort of hijacked the word and placed it out there in that one day someday. And it certainly has that implication. But Jesus is offering bread of a different kind. He's offering life of a different kind. Your parents gave you biological life. Jesus is talking about life that transcends biology. It takes in biology, but it's bigger. And if you miss that, you'll miss the whole teaching here. Verse 47, Verily, truly I say to you, the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. And then Jesus does a pretty remarkable thing as he's talking about this bread. He integrates the teaching with their history. Your ancestors, he says, they ate manna. This is verse 49. In the desert. They ate manna in the desert and what? They died. Do you know that history? He's referencing to about 15th century B.C., the time of Moses. God's people had been delivered by God from Egypt. They were an oppressed people. An enslaved people, God had brought them out of Egypt. And as soon as they come out of Egypt, they got some big issues. They have some big spiritual issues, but they also have some big logistical issues. There's at least a million of them. Some scholars would say way more than that. We don't know exactly. So how are you going to feed them? How are you going to like help them be healthy? What about clothing? What about water? They couldn't bring those things with them. So if you know the story, the story is, is that God was their logistics provider. God himself provided drink, food, their clothing didn't wear out, and they stayed relatively healthy. I mean, that's pretty amazing. God was directly caring for them. When it came to food, he was providing it daily. It was called manna. You know that word, manna? If you translate it, it means, what the? That's what it means. What's this? You you ever say that like, what the? Sometimes there's like a profane word after that, but it didn't have to mean. It's just like, what, what? So people were getting up every morning, and early on they were going, what the? Well, God was feeding them directly six mornings a week, six days. They'd get, get enough now for two days. Manna. And, and this story, I mean, think about this for a minute. This went on for 40 years. So likely millions of people being fed directly by God. Sometimes he would provide meat too, sometimes quail. For 40 years, he's providing it. So it stands to reason this story of provision of God comes to rest in the story of the community. It's part of their culture. God fed us. This story gets told over and over to their children. So much so that Jesus is now taking that story and he's linking it. Jesus has just fed at least 10,000 people Bread, taking a couple of loaves of bread and multiply it. And now Jesus is saying this, I am the bread of life. 
Don't miss the context. You'll miss it. So the Jews go back to that story, their history, with a question for Jesus. You remember it? What sign will you do so that we may see it? Our ancestors, they ate manna in the desert. What will you do? So here's Jesus' answers in verse 50. He says, here it is. Here is the bread that's come down from heaven. So that anyone may eat from it. Anyone may eat from it. And, listen, not die. Not die. Remember, Jesus is offering life of a different quality. They're looking for bread of a quantity. I am the living bread that's come down from heaven. If anyone eats this bread, he will, what? Live eternally. And the bread which is my flesh... I give for life on behalf of the world. I think we're all beginning to understand what I, how I started. Like we could just pause with any of these phrases and words and say, wait a minute, slow down. Let's just be with that and think about that for our daily lives, for our futures, for what we're dealing with in our lives, what we're going through as a community. Jesus is being really explicit right here. He's being so fundamental. I am bread from heaven. I have come down. Whoever eats this bread will not die, but will have eternal life. He's doing this so brilliantly, so strategically. This relates directly to the miracle he's just done. It relates directly to their own historical story. And he's saying, we said this last week, I've not come to simply supply you with bread. I'm not having come just to meet your needs. I am your bread. This is unquestionably, we use this term sometimes, the interpretive key of this text. Jesus is saying, I am your bread. I am doing more than supplying bread for your next meal, only for you to get hungry again in a few hours. I'm offering a source of life to you that will sustain you at every point in your life. It has the ability, has the power to feed you, to nourish you, to take care of you, and it's eternal, both qualitatively and quantitatively. I am giving, listen, he's saying, I am giving myself to you to be ingested. And he's going to get more explicit about that as he goes. I am the bread of life. How's that landing for you? A simple question. Do you, do you know that bread? Do you have it? Have you ingested it? Is it a part of your identity, a part of your going through your life? Another simple question, how are you being sustained by Jesus, the bread of life, right now? How is Jesus being bread to you? 
How is God providing bread that's nourishing you and sustaining you? This is what sustained Jesus. Remember when he's being tempted? And the tempter comes to him and says, hey, I know you're hungry. It's been 40 days. Why don't you just turn those rocks into what? Bread. Remember what Jesus says? Man does not live on that kind of bread alone, but on what? Every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus is talking about this eternal kind of bread. Jesus is saying, Satan, yeah, I'm physically hungry, but you know what, Satan? I'm fine. I'm okay. I'm going to get through this. I may be physically weak. I'm okay. I have the bread from heaven. This is so very critical. We miss this, we miss all of it. I am the bread of life. Jesus is going to like continue to give us I am statements as we progress in John. This is a very, very fundamental one. This is the essence of our nourishment. It's Jesus himself. Secondly, Jesus is our teacher for life. There's a surprising twist right in the middle of this teaching. Jesus goes to their history again. He goes to one of their prophets. And seemingly sort of out of the blue, he says, as it is written, they will all be taught by God. He's not talking about teaching. He's talking about eating and drinking and bread. But right in the middle of it, he makes this seemingly obscure quote. It's from Isaiah 54, verse 13. It says, all your children will be taught by the Lord. Isaiah is looking forward as the Holy Spirit's inspiring him. And read Isaiah 54 and 5. It's amazing. I wanted to read it this morning, but we don't have time. But he's saying, as it is written. I'm not saying something new here. I'm saying something connected. They will all be taught by God. There's several things he's actually announcing. They will all be taught by God. This is where the emphasis is, is by God. That's the point. God is going to be the one doing the teaching, God himself. So what is he saying? And what's he, what's he trying to get at here? What do, you, what do you think? How is God going to be teaching them? Well, that's where we have to pause for a minute and take in the context. Make the connection. This is also part of the interpretive key. God is present in a person, Jesus. Jesus is God in person. Jesus is saying, I am in the bread of life. I'm here to sustain you, and I'm here to show you how to live out this eternal quality and quantity of life. God will be your teacher, and he's standing before them and saying, and he is here. I will be your teacher. If he's not saying that, I have no idea what he is saying. His followers often called him teacher. You know that. The word they used was what? Rabbi. Rabbi. To, to, to adopt someone as your rabbi, it wasn't like to take a course on the internet from them. It wasn't like to grab trigonometry from them or English or geography. To be, have a rabbi meant you were coming under them. 
It means that you are apprenticing to them. It means that you have said, I will be your life student. You will be my life teacher. You are rabbi to me. You pledged allegiance to the rabbi. And God will teach them, Jesus says. They will all be taught by God. This theme of Jesus as rabbi, as teacher, it pervades the New Testament. Over and over, it's not a sort of second, secondary thing. It's fundamentally at the center. Mark notes that when Jesus teaches, it calls people to be amazed. Why? You know it. Some of you know it because he taught as one with what? Authority. They were being taught by God. It, it had a weight. It had a gravitas. It had a fundamental quality that they weren't getting from anywhere else, from their rabbis, from their Pharisee teachers that really knew Scripture. They weren't getting it. They were coming and listening to Jesus, and they stepped back and went, whoa, this is full of authority. Or maybe we could say this is full of life. He was bringing them life. And once you start looking at the Gospels through that prism, that Jesus is not like, just kind of like walking around like Yoda and saying like really spiritual things that people like really don't, they're just weird. No, Jesus is addressing how to live in this life. He's saying a lot of things. I want to give three quick summary statements that won't even touch it, but he's saying one, he's taking people seriously in his teaching. He's, he's talking to them like they are eternal. He's talking to them like they're eternal beings with a forever destiny. So his teaching is, is reflective of that. When he's teaching people, He's not just like helping them be successful in their life. He's not helping them just like fulfill their dreams and hopes. It can be all those things, but he is addressing them as if a lot is there. Secondly, he's addressing, this is kind of similar, matters of totality with them. Kind of an easier way to say it, he's addressing them at a soul level. At, at a deep part of them. He's, he's not trying to just like help them learn how to behave well. Or how to, or how to like be really good religiously. Or to be a really loyal, faithful part of the community. He cares about those things. But his teaching isn't really about just the course of life. It's about source of life. Where is righteousness coming from? Where are its roots? What does it mean to be a thoroughly good human being? What's the good life? How do I become that good person living a truly, truly good life of an eternal quality? That's what he's doing. And then thirdly, he's promoting a way and a truth and a life. And he likes wrapping these up in one burrito too. A way a truth, and a life that's integrated. 
not just with each other, it's integrated with the life of God. I mean, think about that. He's offering a life. So he's saying things, even in this text, he talks about remaining. He's talking about a life that actually is abiding. It's not just learning precepts, principles. It's, it's involved in it actually living in the life of God. Sometimes it's called union life, they used to say. So you're actually sharing in the life with God. It's a lot, isn't it? So, but that, but that's, that's Jesus, the rabbi. Jesus is squarely placing himself in that role. Rabbi. In verse 45, he says, Everyone who has heard from the Father, in other words, anyone who's being taught by God, is learning, will come to me. No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. This one has seen the Father. This is so much to take in, but don't miss the weight of this statement. No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Then he says, this one has. I have, he says. If you want to know God, if you want to learn from God, who he is, his way, his truth, his life, the clearest, most reliable source, Jesus is saying, I'm the bread of life, I'm your teacher. If you miss this, you miss the whole teaching. Jesus is God in person. The radiance of His glory. The exact representation of His being. The Word who became flesh. The image of the invisible God, Paul wrote in Colossians. For in Him and for Him, all things were created. For Him, all things hold together. And He is the head of the church. His body. Paul writes in Ephesians. Ephesians. It is such good news Jesus is proclaiming. Don't you wish in this account this would have caused a like pause? Like sometimes you see in a movie and then all of a sudden people get it and they all like jump up at once and just start applauding. Give us that bread! But unfortunately, there's tragedy in the story. And that's the third point. Many don't want Jesus that way. So in the narrative, the leaders are demanding a sign from Jesus that he would guarantee and keep a running supply of manna, fishes and loaves. A little quail every once in a while would be nice. His response, as I've said already, you've already seen, and you still don't believe. You've tasted the bread. He had done this fabulous miracle for them. It did not satisfy them. Feel, feel the tragedy of that. He, he did this amazing miracle for this people 
He sat them down, took this little boy's food and broke it and distributed it and it just kept going. And now they've crossed the lake, they're on the other side, and what are they asking? What's for dinner? That's okay, There's, it, they're hungry, it's not wrong to be hungry. But they've missed it. They've missed who is in their midst. And I want you to see the heart of God here. Jesus is being explicitly clear with them. He is the bread of life. He is here and available for all. But they will not connect with that. They will not receive what he's saying, and that is going to cost them very, very dearly. And this is the tragedy of the story. They're missing the whole time. Jesus is making these remarkable promises. I'm the bread of life. God will be your teacher. You'll be taught by him. He says another one. I don't remember what verse it is, but he says, everyone who's been given to me will never be lost. And I'll raise him up on the last day. He's saying these remarkable things that should be like spontaneously, you know, like this is a flash teaching. Everybody should be like standing up and applauding. But they don't. They're stuck in their own paradigms. You know what they say? This is Joseph and Mary's boy. Who is this guy? We know him. How can he say he's come down from heaven? So this is a revealing moment in the narrative right here. And it's also the beginning of a major turn in the Gospel of John right here. Jesus has made this offer. He's made it clearly. I've not come just to take care of your next meal. I've come to offer you me as bread for your life. I'm inviting you into that life. I'm assuring you that God will be your teacher in this. And in verse 52, they dig in with their resistance. The Jews argued among themselves, how can this fellow, this fellow is a, is a statement of contempt. It's a word of contempt. It's easy to miss in the English. It's kind of like a, maybe saying like, how, how can this dude give us his flesh to eat? And then, and then Jesus, and we're close to being done. He has something really interesting here. His language takes a shift. It, it takes on a different tone with them. He's still inviting them. But listen again, I think you'll get it. Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in you. The one eating my flesh and drinking my blood has eternal life and I'll raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. The one eating my flesh and drinking my blood remains, there it is, remains in me, and I in him. Just as the living Father sent me, and, and get this, and I live through the Father, so the one who feeds on me will what? Live through me. You hear the imitation, just as I live with my Father, so the one who will ingest me 
will live in that same relationship. This is the bread coming down from heaven. Listen, unlike what your ancestors had. The one, and they died. The one eating this bread will live into eternity. Did you, you heard the shift. I mean, it's not that hard to catch, right? Instead of saying, oh, wait a minute. I'm sorry, guys, you didn't get this. Let me try it again. He leans in. And he says, you have to ingest me. You have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. You have to take me in. This is so deeply personal for him. He's not going to back off from that. Then in verse 60 comes a tragedy. Many of his disciples said, this is a, this is the saddest word in the narrative, I think. Harsh word. He's offered them life. He's offered God to be their teacher. He says, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you're never going to be able to get away from us. We, we're, we love you. I'm going to raise you up. I got that part of your life. You're going to resurrect. They miss all that. They're focused on, well, what about the manna that Moses gave? And they say, this is a harsh word. Who can accept it? Well, there were pl plenty of people accepting it. Just not them. They were very unreligious people out there uh, accepting it. Walking right into the kingdom. There, there were people like around John the Baptist that Jesus once said, like they're elbowing their way into the kingdom. They're like forceful men. They're getting in. But not these guys. This is so offensive to them. So he says, what if you see the Son of Man going back to the place he came from? It's kind, of, it's kind of confusing. What do you see the Son of Man ascending to where he came from? He's getting to the very crux of the matter. He's saying the offensive part for you guys is not this talk that sounds like cannibalism. <laughs> Jesus wasn't a cannibal. He's not promoting cannibalism, drinking blood. It's metaphor, Right? He's saying what's so offensive to you is I'm saying I came from heaven. That I am the living bread. That I am God in person. That's what's offending you. They see him as a mere man. Son of Joseph and Mary. And you know what? They're going to try to prove that he's a mere man later. By killing him. They're going to think they're getting the last word. Jesus is saying, I'm the bread of life. I've come that you might have life. After this, it gets worse here. Even many of his disciples departed and no longer walked with him. Now it's reached any, even into some of those, not the 12, but there's another ring of people who've been following with him. Even many of his disciples departed and no longer walked. This is a watershed moment in the Gospel of John right here. For Jesus, it's a watershed moment. His ministry, by the world's definition, now can be labeled failure. He's now got 12. This is a watershed moment for his disciples. 
They've chosen him. And now this is a moment where they have to decide. And unfortunately for those many disciples, it's a watershed moment for them. We don't, we don't know their stories. You know, that's, that's all we get. They've appeared to be his disciples, but they're not receiving Jesus as Jesus is presenting himself. And that's, I think, where all this has to land. So they step away. So Jesus turns to the twelve. says, hey, what about you guys? Do you want to leave? Sometimes you get frustrated with Peter. Sometimes you want to hug him. This is a hug moment right here. Lord, where will we go? You have the words of this life eternal for us. We have believed and we know that you are the Holy One of God. Man, that's such an appropriate way to end. We have known and we believe that you're the Holy One of God. John loves to bring those two words together. Belief and knowing. He, he really loves doing that more than any other New Testament writer. He, he, I don't know. I'm not smart or whatever enough to like fully grasp what he's saying, but I think it has something to do with like faith that's growing up into knowledge. It's not just like hoping, wishing kind of faith. It's like it's taking on this eternal quality. And, we, and we've talked about it before that like Apostle Paul gets there. I know whom I have believed. I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection, the fellowship of sharing in His sufferings. John loves doing it. He conjoins those ideas because for him, this is, as, as Jesus is getting at, this is so deeply personal for him. To believe in Jesus can't just be believing something about Him. It can't just be, I, I assent to those theological truths. Not, not after receiving this. I mean, anybody who is doing that, if that's what his disciple was before then, it's not after today. Not when Jesus is talking about eating his flesh and drinking his blood. That day's over. I am your bread. It's so deeply personal. Our faith is anchored in Jesus. Or it is not anchored at all. We will not be sustained if we do not have the bread of life. It is a hurtful, angry world. And a lot of people, when they think of the world, are angry and fearful. And I am too sometimes. You know what? Not God. For God so loved the world. That's the life Jesus invites us into. It's of a different quality. Jesus doesn't just give us bread. He is bread that sustains us.
That's, that's the anchor by which we can come together. It's the anchor that gives us freedom to disagree, but remain. But if that's not there, we have nothing. He sustains us. Because He gives bread that is life of a fundamental different kind. So I want to close by inviting you to that bread of life. Whether it's for the very first time or anew, I don't know precisely what you're dealing with right now, but I do know someone who does, and I do know someone who has exactly what you need, and he can sustain you, and he is the one who will also hold us together. Let's pray. Uh, worship team can come up. Lord, you are our bread of life. It is in you we can be sustained. It is in you we are fed. You are our life. We take you, we receive you as our life, as our rabbi, as the one we pledge our allegiance to. There is none other. There are many other great gifts you give us. Only one is the bread of life. Only one can give us life. Only one can sustain us. And nothing or no one can teach us like you teach us. So, Rabbi, our life, our bread, we worship you, God in person, with us, in us, among us. We do decide to follow you with our lives as Ben's getting ready to lead us in. Nurture that in us, in choppy waters, in uncertainty, both in our community and in the culture, Lord. We, we just keep struggling. Anchor us in this bread that will never go away. We pray. In Jesus' name, amen.